Uh, well, good day, everyone. Great to see you here. Uh, my name is uh, Kevin. I have the great privilege of, of sharing uh, God's Word with you uh, tonight uh, from Ruth chapter 3. It's great to keep that open. Um, but why don't we pray and ask that God would help us as we think about His Word tonight. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a great God who speaks to us. Uh, help us to be a people who listen. Uh, listen to You when You speak. Uh, help us to be a people who work hard at trying to understand what You're saying to us. And Father, uh, may your word uh, shape us and change us each and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the themes that we've seen in the book of Ruth is this encouragement for us to show the same kind of kindness and generosity that Boaz has shown. So something we looked at uh, last week, that encouragement to to kind of uh, be like Boaz. And it's interesting, it reminded me uh, of something I heard this week uh, from a friend about this young woman who lives in the southwest of Sydney. Uh, now, this uh, young woman uh, heard of a, a refugee family living behind her. This family had come from uh, the country of Jordan. Uh, there were refugees uh, living in Australia. And as you can imagine, uh, living as a refugee in Sydney, there's, there's many challenges. Uh, it's hard to uh, make life in a new country. And so this young woman had befriended this family uh, and had really tried to help them as best she could. So she's been helping them with their English, helping their kids with their homework, uh, helping uh, the mum, a parent, one of the boys who was uh, quite uh, energetic. And uh, this young Christian woman was really trying to show uh, Christian love to this family. And uh, in a really encouraging way, uh, this young woman had the opportunity to take one of the boys along with her to Sunday school. So this boy from a, a Muslim family from Jordan could come and hear the great news of Jesus. It's really encouraging to see how her act of compassion and kindness led to an opportunity for this boy uh, to hear about Jesus. And one of the things that really struck me as I heard this story is that, well, the, the nation of Jordan today is actually in a very similar geographical region to the ancient nation of Moab uh, that we read about in the book of Ruth. And as we read about, uh, read about Boaz in this story... Uh, we read of him showing kindness to, effectively, uh, a refugee from Moab, from a very sort of similar geographical place, which is interesting. And one of the things that I think for me, I often forget when I hear stories like this, like this young woman showing kindness to the family from Jordan, or Boaz showing kindness to Ruth, is often forget there's a real cost in showing love. Uh, that love can be costly, kind of. It can cost us uh, time and energy and sometimes money. Uh, it can be... Uh, a really costly thing. And I guess one of the questions we can wrestle with tonight is, well, what helps us persevere in that? If showing love is costly, what helps us keep showing love uh, to those around us? So hopefully that's something we'll see. But first, we want to remember uh, where we're up to in the book of Ruth. So we might just, Jonathan, back up a little bit. Hang on. You're jumping ahead of the game. That's okay. There we go. That's the first one. So just a reminder of where we come from. In the book of Ruth, you might remember, uh, we met Elimelech. He looks very big, doesn't he? That's from down here. Anyway, Elimelech, a man, his wife Naomi, and two sons, Malon and Kilion. And you remember they moved from the land of Judah, where they grew up, to the land of Moab. So moved to a foreign uh, nation. And there, tragically, Elimelech died. Next slide. There we go. And uh, then Malon and Kilian married foreign women, uh, women from Moab. So you can see we're adding Ruth and Orpah. And then tragedy struck again. Both Malon and Kilion also died, leaving these three women, Naomi, 
uh, Ruth and Orpah in this really tragic situation, uh, having suffered a great uh, tragedy in their life. And so Naomi decides to return home, back to the town of Bethlehem, uh, her hometown. And she, uh, Ruth and Orpah, they want to come with her. But you remember, remember in chapter 1 uh, that, that Naomi says to these girls, she says this, she says, uh, each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show faithful love to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. And may the Lord enable each of you to find security in the house of your new husband. And this uh, theme of searching for security in the house of a new husband is a, is a big theme uh, in the book of Ruth. Uh, Orpah decides to go home back to Moab, but Ruth clings to Naomi and follows her to the, the land of Judah. And then in chapter 2, we meet a potential marriage suitor for Boaz, uh, sorry, a potential marriage suitor for Ruth, uh, the man Boaz. Uh, we find he's a man of, of great kindness and of great generosity. And there seems to be this growing attraction between Ruth as Boaz, as, as Ruth works in the field. But then by the end of the chapter, end of chapter 2, their relationships seem to have stalled. See, in verse 23, uh, we read this, the end of chapter 2, Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. And then in chapter 3, uh, verse 1, we see this theme of security again. So have a look. Uh, verse 1, chapter 3. Uh, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find security for you so that you will be taken care of? So you can see this. Uh, uh, we're expecting that the Lord would pride, uh, provide security for Ruth, uh, security in the house of a new husband. There's uh, potential in Boaz. But things seem to have stalled. And so then Naomi decides to take things into her own hands. So have a look again at verse 1. What does she say? Shouldn't I find security for you? And Naomi takes the initiative in trying to find uh, security for Ruth. And I think this raises an interesting question for us. See, has Naomi, Naomi become uh, impatient with the Lord? And not waiting for the Lord to provide. And so has she become too impatient, forgetting to trust the Lord and instead taking things into her own hands? And it's a question that we might like to reflect on for our own life. Have we become impatient with the Lord, waiting for him to provide something? And that might be something you'd like to uh, chat about after church and, and think about in your own life. See, so the thing about Naomi and her desire to find security for Ruth is she comes up with this uh, fairly devious plan, right? Uh, quite a crazy plan. And uh, we have a look in verse 3. We'll hear what Naomi says. So she says to Ruth that Boaz will be working uh, on the threshing floor. Verse 3, she says, Wash, put on perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So I think we understand the idea of Ruth uh, dressing up. But what's going on with the uncovering of the feet? Right? It seems like a bit of a, bit of a puzzle for us. And uh, one thing we have to uh, we'll know as we, we come to read this part of the Bible is that, that feet were a common euphemism, a way of talking about the sexual parts of both men and women. So in the book of Samuel, we read of King David going into a, a cave to relieve himself. And literally it says that he went to a cave and uncovered his feet. Or in the book of Ezekiel, 
Uh, the prophet is talking about the nation of Israel and saying that uh, the nation has acted like a prostitute, uncovering her feet to everyone who passed by. And so as we hear Naomi telling Ruth to go in and uncover the feet of this man, well, it's very suggestive language, isn't it? We can see these, these kind of uh, overtones, which leads us with a really big question. Well, what actually happened? So when Ruth obeyed Naomi's instructions, did Ruth and Boaz fall into some sexual sin? Uh, were they involved in some kind of uh, sexual immorality? And I think the answer to this is no. That as we look through uh, the context of the book of Ruth, what do we see but that Ruth and Boaz are people of noble character. Remember Boaz, he was a man who greets his workers in the name of the Lord. Uh, Boaz was keen to show great generosity to his two uh, widows in his town. And we've seen that Ruth also is a person of integrity and godliness. And so for these uh, two people, it seems unusual that they would then fall into sexual sin. And so I think what happened is literally uh, Ruth was to go in and uncover the place of Boaz's feet. That's what uh, Naomi intended for her to do. Which raises a question of, well, why? I mean, why would you go in and uncover his feet? And I think partly it was a way of uh, Ruth showing that she was interested in Boaz, but also intended to, to wake Boaz up in the middle of the night. And that's, that's what happened in verse 8, isn't it? That as the temperature dropped, Boaz, with his feet uncovered, awoke up so Ruth and Boaz could have a conversation in private. But then why does the author use such suggestive language? I mean, surely they could have described it in a different way without those kind of uh, overtones and suggestive language. And I think partly the way the author describes this, well, it reminds us that there is this romantic connection between this man and this woman that has been developing. But I think it also really highlights uh, the integrity and the godliness of Ruth and Boaz. That as bad as the situation looked, uh, Ruth going into this uh, threshing floor, and as bad as the situation sounds in the way the author describes it, that Ruth and Boaz acted with integrity, with purity, because they are people of integrity. But I think it's worth making the point, I guess it's a bit of an aside, that this is not something we should try at home. Okay? See, Ruth and Boaz are examples for us in many great ways, great examples of kindness, integrity and godliness. But in this particular way, they are not a good example for us. See, in the New Testament, uh, we're reminded that as Christians, there's not even to be a hint of sexual immorality, that we are to be above reproach, which means that for a Christian guy and a girl who are not married to, to stay in the same place overnight like Ruth and Boaz did, uh, I really don't think that's, that's living above reproach. That's not how God would have us live. But we also need to remember that well, sexual sin is very damaging and very tempting for us. There have been many, many godly Christians uh, who have put themselves into a situation like Ruth and Boaz and have fallen into sexual sin, uh, sometimes even leading to uh, a shipwreck of their faith. And so I think it's something that we want to be really careful about, uh, really careful in the way that we act. And uh, anyway, end of the aside. Coming back uh, to Naomi and her plan. And as we read her plan, we might think that it was a bit of a, a risky plan a bit foolish, not really acting above reproach. But I think drawing on the book of a whole, we're reminded that Ruth and Boaz are people of integrity, people of noble character, 
which encourages us to think that they act in perfect purity. Which then leaves us with a very unusual scene, right? Boaz, he's fallen asleep at the end of the pile of barley. His feet are now uncovered. Ruth has washed, put on perfume, dressed up, lying next to him. It really is quite a, quite a strange scene. And we're wondering, as readers, what's going to happen next? We'll have a look at verse 8. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. And you can imagine the surprise for Boaz. He's fallen asleep, not suspecting anything. He's worked hard that day. He wakes up in the middle of the night. His feet are uncovered. And there, lying at his feet, is a woman. So he asks her, you know, a question you might expect. He says, who are you? And then listen to Ruth's reply. She says, I am Ruth, your slave. Spread your cloak over me, for you are a family redeemer. See, firstly, Ruth identifies herself as belonging to Boaz. She says, I am your slave, a statement of belonging. And then she makes a request. She says, spread your cloak over me. Seems like a bit of a, a strange request. Is Ruth saying to Boaz, you know, literally, spread your cloak over me, maybe to keep me warm? Well, that could be what Ruth intended. But there's certainly more to her request. See, Ruth is asking Boaz to provide security, security for her, which, as, as we've seen, basically means marriage for Ruth that she would find security in the house of a new husband. And so Ruth is really saying to Boaz, you need to marry me. You need to take me into your house as your wife. And why is that? Well, because Boaz is a family redeemer. Now we met this concept last week in chapter 2 when it came up and Phil explained it for us, that a family redeemer had certain obligations to the people in his family. And we, we learned uh, through the book of Ruth that Boaz is related to Elimelech. So, great. Come to our family tree again. You can see Boaz and Elimelech are related. And one of the obligations that the family redeemer had was if a male relative was to die without having kids, then the family redeemer was basically to, to sleep with the dead man's widow to provide a son. Now, this all sounds very strange to us, and it is. Uh, but that was uh, what God wanted his people to do back in the Old Testament. And so looking at the family tree, you might expect Naomi to make this request to Boaz, right? But we have to remember, Naomi's uh, quite old. She's already had two sons. And instead we have Ruth making this request of Boaz, uh, which kind of makes sense, right? She's connected. You can see she's connected by marriage uh, to Boaz. But there is a problem for Ruth. Thanks, Jono. There is a problem for Ruth. The problem for Ruth is that she's not part of the nation of Israel. Remember, she is a foreigner. She was born in Moab of all places. The nation that God's people would have nothing to do with. And so you might expect someone to say, well, look, the law doesn't apply in the case of Ruth. Because she is a foreigner, she's not part of the nation of Israel. And this is really important because to redeem someone, for Boaz to fulfill his obligation as a family redeemer would have cost him. Okay, partly it meant him buying back the, fam uh, the, the property that belonged to Elimelech. 
Now, of course, living in Sydney, we know that property is expensive, right? But it was expensive back then. And Boaz had an obligation to buy back the property and then it wouldn't belong to him. It would belong to the son that was born. For Boaz to fulfill his obligation as a family redeemer, it also meant committing to care for Ruth and Naomi. And at a time when, when food wasn't easy to come by, to take responsibility for two extra mouths plus any kids that might come, you can, it's actually quite an obligation for Boaz. But we're also talking about redeeming the family of Elimelech. Remember, he was the guy who left his hometown, the nation of Israel, to go and live in Moab, of all places. And there him and his two sons died. And so now we have his penniless widow and his foreign daughter-in-law coming back asking for help. In a culture of, of honour and shame, you could see how people might think that Elimelech had brought shame upon himself. Shame for deserting his home people and going and living in this foreign land. And so for Boaz to redeem Ruth, even though she's known as a person of noble character, I think he's still taking upon the, the shame of Elimelech and his decision to go and live in the land of Moab. And I think the cost is reinforced for us later in chapter 4, when another family redeemer says that he is not willing to redeem Ruth because it said it, because he says it will ruin his inheritance. Uh, he is not willing uh, to count the cost and to redeem Ruth. And so for Boaz, he has a choice to make here, doesn't he? Will he fulfill his obligation as the family redeemer and redeem Ruth? Or will he leave Ruth to fend for herself? Well, have a look. Verse 10, and we'll see what happens. Verse 10, Boaz says, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. So you can see that marriage has been on the cards, right? And verse 11, Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. So Boaz makes this pledge that he will follow through in his obligation as the family redeemer. He makes a pledge that he will provide security uh, for Ruth. And of course, we know that the Lord has been working behind the scenes, that it's the Lord's work to bring about uh, this state of affairs. Interestingly, back in chapter 2, Boaz had prayed for Ruth and asked that she would find refuge under the wings of Yahweh. And now we find that refuge literally comes under the wings of Boaz's garments. And so Boaz, in fact, is the answer to his own prayer. But we have to remember that, that Boaz has, well, he's got mixed motives here, right? We've seen that Boaz is, well, he's rather keen on Ruth. As you can see, well, maybe there's another reason for him to follow through on his obligation as a family redeemer. But even so, I think we're still meant to see Boaz as a man of great generosity and kindness. And so it seems that we're set for a happy ending, right? Boaz will get the girl, Ruth will be provided for, all is set to end well. Except there's a problem. See, Boaz says to Ruth, well, actually there's another family redeemer, one closer in line, and so he is first choice of whether he will redeem Ruth. 
So it seems that there's a, another problem in the story, and you'll have to come back next week, okay? Because we're going to be looking at that. Chapter 4, see what happens. Will Boaz really get the girl? Or will this other family redeemer step in? Make sure you come back. Exciting story, chapter 4. But before we finish looking at chapter 3, it's worth thinking a little bit more about this idea of, of redemption and family redeemer. Because redemption is a, a topic that comes back up in the New Testament. So you might remember uh, in Mark 10.45, Jesus talking about himself. He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Uh, this language of ransom connects with the language of redemption. The ransom is a price uh, paid to redeem someone. And so it's like, it's like Jesus he is like the family redeemer of his people. And like Boaz, remember there was a cost for Boaz to redeem Ruth, to follow through in his obligation. And of course we know for Jesus, there was an even greater cost for him to redeem his people. It was his death, his sacrifice, his willing sacrifice upon the cross. That is the great cost for Jesus as he comes to redeem his people. And so as we read through Ruth chapter 3 and we see the kindness and the generosity of Boaz, well, hopefully it reminds us of the, the kindness and generosity of God, who has not left us without a family redeemer, but has sent Jesus, Jesus to come and die in our place to redeem us so that we can look forward to life forever with God. But again, well, there's a problem, okay? Because most of us here are Gentiles. Most of us here are, are not of Jewish descent, which means that we're not naturally part of Jesus' family. See, Jesus came as a family redeemer for the Jews, for his own family. Now, that doesn't mean that the Jews somehow deserved redemption. It, it was still a gracious act of God to redeem his people, the Jews, but it does mean that if you are a Gentile, if you're not of Jewish descent, like me, well then you have no claim upon Jesus as your family redeemer. Certainly by nature you have no claim on him. You're in the wrong family. You're in the family of the Gentiles. Listen to how Paul describes the situation in Ephesians chapter 2. It's printed on your outline. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Have a look what Paul says. He says, so then, verse 11, so then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. So Paul is talking about Gentiles here, okay? People of non-Jewish descent. And what does he say? At that time you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. It's a pretty dire situation, isn't it, for Gentiles, for those not of Jewish descent. But then have a look at the wonderful news in verse 13. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. The great news of the gospel, friends, is that even though we as Gentiles, or many of us as Gentiles, have no claim upon Jesus as our family redeemer, 
Well, God still sent Jesus to die for us, even for us uh, Gentiles. And so we can claim Jesus as our family redeemer. That is the incredible love and generosity of our God to us. And so while I hope you're encouraged by the, the kindness and the generosity of Boaz, uh, the one, uh, sorry, I hope you're even more encouraged by the, the kindness and generosity of our God, the one who has not left us without a family redeemer, but the God who sent Jesus into the world uh, to die in our place. And of course, if, Jesus, uh, sorry, if God loved us so much to send us this redeemer, well, surely it makes sense that we would turn to Jesus and accept him as our redeemer. See, the book of Ruth that we've been looking at, it's a love story, isn't it? Uh, a story between um, Boaz and the way that he loved Ruth so much that he would follow through in his obligation, we've seen today, in, uh, to redeem her, to provide security for her. But in the Bible, we see an even greater love story, uh, a story of a God who loves the people he has made, both Jew and Gentile, who loves them so much that he would not leave them without a family redeemer, but sent Jesus to die in our place, a great cost to redeem us. And of course, friends, as we know this great love of God, well, that's the thing that helps us persevere as we love those around us. Uh, and of course, one of the great things we can do is we show love to those around them is to share with them the great love that our God has for them, the God who has not left them without a family redeemer. Well, let's join together in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for your incredible love that you have not left us without a family redeemer. Thank you for sending Jesus to redeem us, to die in our place at great cost so that we can now enjoy a perfect relationship with you. And Father, help us to appreciate your great love for us and your kindness and your generosity and ask that you would strengthen us by your Spirit that we may be people who love those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.